Hey, Kim here. Quick update before you dive into this episode. We've changed the name of our podcast to Rooted in Tomorrow. It's a nod to our shared history and the bright future of our cooperative system. So if you get later in the series to our 22nd episode, you'll notice the change. But most importantly, it won't affect you as a listener or a subscriber. Thanks for listening and enjoy the episode. I, I heard about uh, our CEO, Beth, t- uh, talking about we're going to try a new program that's going to provide our members with some employment opportunities. And my first thought was that is the last thing that I need because I have enough work already between already. <laughs> my, my cows and my kids. Every day on the farm is different. And most of the time, I, I can't tell you exactly what's going to happen because I have to see what fires I'm going to have to put out and my husband has the same thing you know can't tell you what I'm gonna do because I have to see what the day brings I really enjoy and value the stability of my swap position think about the work that you do what makes it meaningful is it the results or is it the process Or is it the promise of something greater? Being a cooperative means we're in this together to build a sustainable future and feed human progress. This is Something Greater, a podcast by Lando Lakes, Inc. I'm Kim Olson. Follow along with us as we bring you the stories and voices that impact our shared community. Farmers are not a one-dimensional group. They're environmentalists, they're scientists, they're finance and business experts. The list goes on and on. Their family members are often skilled workers with degrees in a certain field, then give it all up to help run the family farm with their wife or their husband, their brother or their sister. So why not provide opportunities for our members and their families to do the work that we need done? We're finding ways to support our farmers before farming out the work to other vendors. It's the cooperative way. We are working with them to provide training and tools for coding, tech support, and database management. Work that in the COVID era can be done remotely. They choose their hours and help support their family on top of the farm. Suzanne Vold and Josie Peters are two of our farmer owners. While both would consider dairy farming their day jobs, they're also using their skills in accounting and IT to support a number of Land O'Lakes projects. And in the process, they're bringing in some added income for their families. Both are my guests today. Well, welcome, Josie and Suzanne. I'm so excited to have you guys on the podcast. Well, thank you for inviting me. <laughs> Hi, Kim. It's good to be here, too. <laughs> and we're doing this uh, virtually as we're doing everything in uh, in life these days. And um, that's a little different for us. We uh, typically, um, before uh, COVID, we would get in a conference room and we would all chat together and, and record. And now we're looking at each other on computers. So there's uh, that uh, stepping over each other and, you know, making sure we've got the uh, the time to, to talk. So we're asking our audience to be patient with us there. 
Um, let's let's start uh, just with kind of getting to know you both. So um, both of you are farmers. Um, so let's just maybe start with a simple question. What does a day look like? And Suzanne, maybe we can start with you. Sure. Um, I am a dairy farmer in western Minnesota. Our town is Glenwood, and that's about 30 miles east of Sauk Center, about half an hour south of Alexandria, if that puts it in perspective for anyone else. Close to the middle of nowhere. You can see it from here. <laughs> we have a 500 cow dairy, and I work with my husband and my brother-in-law. My father-in-law is mostly retired, but still comes to the farm every day to help us out and check up on us. And um, then we have uh, just recently, October, transitioned our farm to robotic milking. So mm -hmm. we went from a parlor system where we had uh, more employees down to a, a um, an automated system where our cows are milked by robots and our manure is cleaned by robots and our feed is pushed up by ro a robot, which has been a huge transition for us but uh, really got us to position ourselves for the future, what we were hoping for it to be uh, essentially family plus one. And it's maybe more like one and a half. We've got a couple, um, a couple part-time people as well, but um, it's, huh. it's a big change for us. So a day for us starts, we start at 5 a.m. We fetch our cows. That's the highly technical term for gathering those cows who haven't been to the robot in time. Um, <laughs> do whatever we need to for health checks and medications and things for any sick cows in the morning. Take care of calves. Then uh, once our feed manager starts feeding, we kind of regroup and say, what else have we got going on for the day? We do those things we need to in the middle of the day. A lot of times in summer, that includes harvesting things like haylage. And uh, we'll, be, we'll be starting to cut our third crop this afternoon. And then we do our afternoon fetch, again, a, that highly technical term where we get the cows that haven't come to the robot at starting at three o'clock, feed calves again, and make sure everything is sort of uh, buttoned up for the night. Hopefully go home and uh, not get a call from the robot. And, <laughs> until it starts again at five the next morning. That's Get a it call from the robot that you have to go fetch more cows. Uh, no, no, not to fetch more cows. But if if uh, there's an alarm for some reason, the robot huh. will call you, and in its lovely tech uh, tech voice, say there is an alarm on, whatever. <laughs> and most of the time, uh, you have to go out to take care of it. Huh, that's amazing. It's uh, kind of for those of you that are of a certain age, it seems like the Jetsons, you know, you're plugging everything in and it's uh, it's just rolling. That's great. Um, Josie, what about you? What does a, a day look like for you on the farm? Yeah, so I own a 145 cow dairy in southeast Minnesota and Lake City, Minnesota with my husband, Wayne. We have three small children. So we have a three-year-old, a four-year-old, and a six-year-old. Yeah, stop right there. That's busy enough. <laughs> yeah, so very busy with little kids. And I guess probably more importantly, I'd like to describe what even a year and a half ago, what my day looked like in the past. Sure. So the first eight years of my relationship with Wayne, I worked a full-time off-the-farm job, mm -hmm. and so I would get up at 4.30 with him, milk cows, feed calves, go to my town job all day, feed calves at night, and then finally get home to babies. So we actually had a live-in nanny for six years, oh, okay. and about a year and a half ago, we transitioned into me being full-time on the farm. So oh, That's amazing. 
yeah, we did that with a couple of things. So our nanny got married and left. And then my husband gets up for sure at 4.30 every day. I push the sleeping in as far as I can without getting in <laughs> trouble because um, probably the biggest blessing that could happen to me would be me loving mornings. And that just has not happened in life yet. I'm yeah. a far better farmer at night than in the morning. I'm an empty um, nester. It's coming. Don't worry. <laughs> so, and then um, currently I'm available to help milk a little while in the morning and then three nights a week, I usually step in so he can get something else done or be in the house with the kids. So he has a chance to see them. And then I feed calves twice a day and help with the running around, grabbing parts or getting lunch made. Um, and work my swap job kind of in between all at the same time trying to keep three little kids alive oh geez I'm tired <laughs> just listening to you I really am wow uh so it sounds to me like both of you are really kind of um running the definition of what uh most farms are family run operations um your moms your farmers your business managers um you know, how, talk to me a little bit about what life is like trying to do all those things. And Josie, you did a little bit. Um, Suzanne, talk to me about how you balance all of that. Well, it's a good question. And I'm tired listening to Josie too, because I, I didn't say uh, my kids, I've got a junior in college, a junior in high school, and then uh, my youngest daughter is going into eighth grade. So managing family and farm and and work ha is certainly a balancing act even more so now that we have all been um at home although i i do think that for those of us who are um in essential industries like all of us at land lakes are yeah. um we we haven't maybe done as much uh new hobby taking up or binge watching as some of the other public that has had more time on their hands. <laughs> yeah. Those of us who are on the farm are, are still working every day to make food for you, to send to our, to our milk processing plants, to get turned into Great Land of Lakes products. And yeah. we're still putting the crops in the ground and all of our ag co-ops are still delivering those products. So it, it's, it is crazy as, um, I think the balancing act has gotten different since since COVID. Just because we're we're all closer together, I've uh, my college age daughter is home. Yeah, um, we've found that if more than three people are streaming or zooming at the same time, it doesn't work so well on our internet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, I think that there are things that are really great that are happening where we can be more flexible because we are on the farm or at home. And um, even the things that used to be very regimented, the school hours and yeah. activities for kids aren't as regimented anymore. So we can flex around as much as we need to. Yeah. So you're losing some of your structure, but sometimes that's that's good given all that you are both doing. Now, I remind me... Um, and it, you know, either either one. Did you all grow up on farms, or did you marry into farms? Well, I'll go ahead. I married into it. I did not grow up on a farm at all. Um, no, I did not have a farming background, and had to learn as I learn as I go after I married my husband. But his family has been in farming for 125 years. 
Really? So how many generations is that? We, uh, we would be the fourth generation and our children, if they choose to join, would be the fifth. All right. How, how about you, Josie? Was, did you get a groom and a, a farm or um, did you grow up on one? So I definitely married into the dairy farm side of it. Um, yeah. I grew up on a hobby farm and was pretty heavily connected to like more like organic, small food growing oh, throughout see. high school. And then also I actually milked on a sheep dairy in oh, high really? school. Huh. Yeah. So definitely married in, but it wasn't foreign to me at the same time. You had the the skills and the inclination, it sounds like. Um, so there's, you know, lots of uh, misunderstanding and misperceptions about farm and farming. And one thing we talk about uh, Atlanta Lakes a lot is, geez, I wish you, you would ask a farmer that question when we um, when we hear questions that um, are framed in a way that uh are clearly based on on bad information. Um, one of the things we hear is that there's a lot of money to be made in farming. Um, but what what we tell folks is, you know, it takes a lot of money to run a family business. So, um, you know, Josie, do you want to talk about that a little bit? Um, what it's, uh, you know, the, the financial investment and, and taxing um, parameters of running a family business like you do? Yeah, so we... Are a little bit unique even though we're the fifth generation on our farm we currently farm by ourselves so his parents are no longer um, involved and we're fully bought in to the dairy and so we're also very young so yeah. I mean everything is definitely on the line and there's not a lot of money at the moment yeah. And I'd, I would have to say, like, even if the conditions of the dairy market changed drastically, we still would probably be in a similar position because we would still be looking at investing into the farm. Yeah. So, I mean, I always say one of the things that the SWAP program has does yeah. in our life is it really makes it so there's money that we can count on for groceries or Netflix or um, yeah. school clothes, that kind of stuff. And we're not relying on the farm. So we can already see what's coming in with that milk check and honestly spend every penny of it in 35 seconds. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and putting and, a lot of it back into the farm, right? It's a lot yeah, of investment. And know that a lot of like the typical household stuff can be covered via other avenues. Nice. And so, I guess the on the long-term side, the more years that you can do that, the better off, hopefully, long-term. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. What about you, Suzanne? You I, I agree with Josie. I mean, the, the the SWAP program for us, it gives us that stability. And I'm, I, you know, I'm only working about 12 hours a week on it. So it's, it's really... Uh, <sighs> I don't know if you want to call it a side gig or whatever, but it's that stability that we have not seen in the ag economy um, on our side of things for a long time. I mean, dairy especially, and I know Josie knows this, has been just the incredibly volatile. And we've had some some good highs uh, like we did in 2014. They don't last very long, and then the lows mm -hmm. seem to last a long time. Um, so, so for us, it, it it does provide that stability for the, some of those household things that just um, 
are going to be there no matter if milk prices are good or milk prices are bad. And it's a case where um, yeah. on the farm, you you know, you talked about uh, invest capital investment. That's yeah. we did that in a really big way in 2019. Um, yeah. If we had any notion that COVID was going to hit and do this to our our economy, yeah. um, it was not the best time to get really levered up. But yeah, we we were planning for the future, and um, at the time we did it, 2019 looked like a relatively stable year. Yeah. Of course, we were all wrong in that. But it's a case where um, dairy farming is a very capital intensive business because the equipment, the cows, um, it all the things that are needed. Even to the, you know, we, we talked about um, us having a child in college before. One of the things that we go over annually with, it seems, with the financial aid office is saying that the land that we own is not used to sell any product because we raise crops, but we feed them to our cows. So right. we don't we don't have any direct income from that land. And that's, again, financial aid at college is a whole nother story and a whole nother podcast. But all of our investments are run through our dairy. So it is is something where it is definitely long-term investment. So let's, um, I... Let's go go back for a minute. Um, Josie, you mentioned uh, a milk check. So for um, some of our listeners that don't know exactly what that is, um, can you just kind of tell us uh, the concept of a milk check coming and, you know, what does, how, where does that go on a dairy farm and what does that look like? Just, just a little bit of an explanation around what a milk check is and how that works. With Lando Lakes, we are paid twice a month. And you sell milk in 100-pound increments. And so we, for example, I would say in a three-month span, it's not on our size of dairy. It's not uncommon to see like a $15,000 swing in what you're getting in that milk check. So it's very hard to plan because the bills stay the same no matter what the milk check looks like. I would say probably 60% of the milk check goes into feeding the cows. Okay. So purchasing feed, putting crops in the ground for the land that we do own, milk replacer for calves, and then probably 20% into the buildings and we still owe money on some of our cows. Mm-hmm. And then... I would say almost the rest of it consistently goes into payments on tractors and the power bill, yeah, that kind of stuff. So kind of equipment and and operation stuff. Yeah. So I would say with the exception of 2014, we've pretty much ran where the farm was only making enough to cover the farm Mm -hmm. and all of our daily expenses, like there's just not money available at this point. And that's since 2018, you said? 2014, I would say, would be the only, the only exception of we definitely were, had extra farm income. Our Supplemental Work Opportunity Program, or if you like corporate buzzwords, SWAP, simply offers technology jobs to our farmer members. You see, in the past, they might have been outsourced. Many have skills beyond the barns and the fields they work in. Those skills are needed right here in our cooperative for the company that these family farmers own. Whether it's in accounting, IT support, finance work, 
we have a responsibility to our members to look beyond the farm and give them opportunities. When farmers are thriving, the communities and people around them also do better. So let's talk a little bit more specifically about the SWAP program. And, um, you know, we talked about, um, about Josie, you're uh, working um, initially a, a different job before you kind of uh, were full-time um, farming and such. And so um, are, do you have skills from that job or skills from, from training that um, are kind of unique that you put to work in the SWAP program or how does that work? Yeah, I would say I primarily have a sales background mm-hmm. coming in. Um, so coming into IT, I would say in a in a previous job, kind of what it was going to take to get the project to move forward was someone who was willing to pick up the phone and do some cold calling, be a little yeah. pushy, like make something happen. And for me, that was like, I would rather do that all day than email or Not look at our IT folks <laughs> or, or look at a spreadsheet and for some people in IT that's like worst day ever you know yeah absolutely yeah so it's been interesting to see the two mix it's um it's interesting that um you know as we think about Atlanta Lakes how we uh retain and attract talent um we are really thinking differently about what skill sets to require for people coming into what job. So it's fascinating to me that we're, we're doing that on this site as well. Somebody with a great sales background, you wouldn't automatically think IT would be the place and all that you bring to the table there um, to, to flesh that out is really fantastic. Um, it, now, Suzanne, I understand that when you first heard about the supplemental work program, you were a little skeptical. <laughs> I I will admit I I was skeptical and you know it is funny because I I heard about uh, our CEO Beth t- uh, talking about we're gonna try a new program that's gonna provide our members with some employment opportunities and my first thought was that is the last thing that I need because I have enough work already between already. <laughs> my my cows and my kids now granted uh, when I first heard that was you know we started up our robots in October so those first three months was robots eat and sleep and robots eat and sleep and robots eat and sleep. And that was all it was. Mm -hmm. So at the time I may have been a little biased at that time, I was not ready for more work, but as we went through our transition and realized that things were changing and I saw what the reports were from Josie's cohort of the first uh, pilot program in the swap, I thought, you know, this is something that looks kind of interesting. And the more I thought about it, um, Josie, I am one of those people who uh, a spreadsheet is, I, I, you know, I love my spreadsheets and I could sit with them all day <laughs> and I would rather do that than pick up the phone and make a few calls sometimes, although I can do that too, but I'd, I'd, I'd choose my spreadsheets first. <laughs> and so <laughs> when the opportunity, place. when the opportunity came up and I, and I went through the interviews with York, by the way, the people there are phenomenal that have worked with us in training and everything else talked about some of the opportunities that were available. And I said, yeah, I think I can do this. And I work in accounts payable and I help process freight invoices, which may not seem like a really glamorous IT security job, 
But <laughs> the other thing that I really love about it is the stability and regularity of it. Because yeah. in my dairy farming job, we talked about the volatility in our markets and every day on the farm is different. And most of the time, I, I can't tell you exactly what's going to happen because I have to see what fires I'm going to have to put out. And my husband has the same thing, you know, can't tell you what I'm going to yeah. do because I have to see what the day brings. I really enjoy and value the stability of my swap position because I know exactly what is necessary. And if there's something that comes up that's unusual, I've got a team there that I can message right away and say, hey, this is new and different. How do I deal with it? So for me, calm, steady, and reliable is really a great thing. So a, a very um, steady source of income that um, doesn't, you know, not only from uh, a physical perspective, but from an emotional perspective too, I imagine that's helpful. Um, let's, let's talk a little bit about uh, COVID. Um, you know, uh, Josie, can you talk a little bit about how COVID's affected your, the family farm? I, and, you know, um, if the SWAP program and, and the work that you do there has been um, helpful or, um, you know, kind of how that's all fitting together for you in this post-COVID environment? I would say the biggest benefit of the SWAP has just been how flexible it is that everyone's on the same page that one week I might have 35 hours to give in security and they use it and they're thankful for the time I have to offer. But then the next week I can seriously reach out to my managers and be like, every time I sit at the computer, stuff falls apart around me. And they're yeah. like, okay, well, <laughs> take a slow week. Like, let's move things around. And so that was true both before COVID and in the midst of this um, I'm looking at a different project to add to the mix and everyone realizes that no one knows anything until we know what school looks like next year. Yeah. And yeah. so, um, super understanding there. Yeah. And I, I think everybody is, um, just waiting to see what the school decisions look like and, uh, how much that's going to impact everyone's life. It, it's interesting to me that just you're valuing the flexibility of it and um, Suzanne is valuing kind of the stability of it. Is is that the the same Suzanne now? You know, post COVID, talk about how that has affected you. Obviously, the after the 2019 investment, it's changed things. But um, anything else that you'd add there? Um, I think the flexibility is a big factor too, because uh, my my supervisor knows this is about how many hours I'm going to be able to put in per week. And if things change, I can certainly message her on Teams and say, we have hay to put up. I'm, I'm only going to get in my minimum hours and that's been fine. Or there have been some times when we've had a message to our entire team saying, um, hey, we're really backed up. Any extra hours you can put in are fine this week. So that's great. And again, it's for me, especially in summertime, sometimes it depends on the weather. If it from the first part of spring, spring and summer, we were very, very dry. So a lot of field work got done. Uh, the last month or so, we've had a little more rain. So on a, on a day where we can't get anything else besides cows and dairy done, then I may have a few more hours to put in. So that flexibility has really been, really been great um, 
I think the combination of those two aspects of the job make it make it very attractive. And I'll I'll just go back to when I was skeptical. Wow, <laughs> all of those um, all of my skepticism has been removed wow. because this is really a great job to to be drawing from within, so to speak, to be able to say our members have these varied skills and can use them to the benefit of our whole co-op and all of our members and employees. Yeah, well, I appreciate you saying that. And I, I will say that uh, Beth Ford welcomes and overcomes skepticism uh, often. <laughs> well, thank you, guys. Uh, we end all of our podcasts with a single question. And Josie, I'm going to go to you first. Um, what does something greater, the phrase, mean to you? For me, it's all about looking to the future. Like the goal of every generation should be bettering the future for the generation that's coming up. And that definitely applies to farm and every aspect of life. Every decision we're making today should have the future generations in mind. I appreciate that. No one thinks about the future more than farmers. What about you, Suzanne? What does something greater the phrase mean to you? For me, it's the cooperative effort. Um, being part of a, of a co-op system like Land O'Lakes from the dairy side as well as uh, through our local ag co-op is really working together. And I think that being part of the employee group through the SWAP program is really just another way of being a cooperative. And it really shows, especially in times of stress, like I talked about with, with our milk supply, how we are able to utilize the whole thing, how we're able to help farmers still get that crop in the ground, even though so many parts of our economy have slowed or shut down. We together as a co-op are something greater. I can't think of a better way to end it than that. Thank you both. Have a good day. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. The Land Lake Something Greater podcast is delivered monthly via our Member Connections newsletter or on our website. Just go to landolakesinc.com, then click on Members at the top right. We're also available wherever you find your podcasts. Mm-hmm.